driving down this old road in my old spubbill. I'm with my sister. That kin is just like me. Oh my god, is that a truck? Why does it look so dead and old? That's not a normal horn. Oh my god, that man is molded. And now he's flying. And he's coming for my eyes. Now he's flying. Holy shit, I'm gonna die. He got them peepers. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Puck Rock Horror Podcast. I am the Undead Matt. And I'm Krampus Cody. And if you are driving down a country road and there is a huge-ass truck behind you and it's just wailing on its horn, it's probably not a MAGA supporter, but more than likely Jeepers Creepers coming to literally take your peepers. (laughs) I mean, same diff, right? Same dude. Uh, today, <laughs> I totally just had a fucking brain fart. Today's episode is brought to you by SlashingCast.net. Please check us out on there along with all the other amazing podcasts. And also, real quick shout out to all you amazing listeners for continuing to come back and support the show. I know we say it a lot, but uh, look, you're the bread and butter of the show. And nobody fucks with our bread and butter because we love you. We love the shit out of you. Thank you for coming back and opening up your dead hearts to us. Uh, and also, another big huge shout out to Daniel Smurf. Uh, for coming on this past Tuesday, hanging out with us, talking about Colorado Festival of Horror. Please make sure you get those tickets if you haven't yet. And also hearing about the serial killer cannibal, Carl Denke. Yeah, yeah, probably had the greatest like reaction about reading and mm-hmm. like reading through that autopsy report. I still think is probably the greatest reaction I've ever seen from you. Guys. I was still stuck Especially on the anus. I was literally you. still stuck on the anus because I was like, you know, how, like, and I've talked about that to people. I was like, I was like, yeah, like the quarter reporter, like of the dude's house, like it's insane. I was like, like he's had a literal butt in there, and people were like, and they're like, well how much of the butt like (laughs) just have you ever i'm like have you ever seen those modern like sex latex toys that are just modeled after like a porn star's ass and they're like yeah and i'm like kind of like that but smells way worse (laughs) and a little bit and bloody a little bit hairier yeah yeah. no no it was clean oh it was clean oh well that was at least he had standards If, you, if that intrigues you and you want to hear more about that, go listen to the previous episode. <laughs> yeah. You'll hear all about the forgotten cannibal and then hear about why he has a nice rump. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, yeah, that's been my favorite way to talk about it. I was, like, is just like, yeah, you know, sex toys. <laughs> this guy started them he gave the original mold (laughs) no cap he was on some shit early on (laughs) like he was an innovator in this for the sex business (laughs) absolute monster don't get me wrong total like would never want to be around that oh yeah but we have no idea what he did with that and if he even had attraction but he made the model i mean i mean (laughs) look i understand the butt i am more worried about all of like the toes because i am worried 
how far did it go with his kink? <laughs> they like too bad they weren't all like all stringed together. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> they found like what over two hundred toes, two hundred and forty toes. <laughs> Papa Dinky got your toe. <laughs> Papa Dinky got your toe. <laughs> Papa Dinky got your. <laughs> I got it. You took them all. <laughs> Oh my god. But no, that was good. That was a really good one. I was super excited to meet Smurf too, dude. Like it was super surreal. <laughs> like oh, yeah. honestly, like when he especially when like he introduced himself because it didn't hit again, I knew who he was, but it didn't hit me until like he introduced it when he first got to your place. In the back of my head I'm just like, Don't scream. Just don't scream. Oh my god. Yeah. Once I, it, so, like it finally I, dawned uh, on me. I was like, Oh my god, you taught me so much about my music love. <laughs> well, well Mike that's the thing that like I hope a lot of people kind of like understand is that like why well, it was such a surreal thing is like we we literally have never put it a face to this guy before yeah know? like we've always just known him by his voice and uh the legacies he has had with that um you know and then learning when, he, when the first time I met him learning his podcast uh learning about his podcast and listening to 5280 geek like it just instantly took me back to like the mid aughts 90s of like just growing up in denver and just like listening to 93.3 all the time mm-hmm. when they you know actually were fun to listen to <laughs> yeah um, before iheart yeah yeah before I, yeah. <laughs> we look kbpi really isn't much better there's only so many times <laughs> I, I can hear the same five metallica songs before i want to rip my hair out or the same three fucking five finger death punch songs that i don't even want to listen to anymore oh god i can't believe i that's that's my most shameful thing. Sorry, I'm going on tangent. Come back. I was about to. I was about to. Most shameful what? Most shameful what? My most shameful thing is that I used to be a fan of Five Finger Death Punch. <laughs> like, it's just, but we're not going down. No, no I, I want to bring it back to Smurf because it's about Smurf. Exactly. Yeah, like, but, but no, like that's really what it was. Is that we finally got to like see this like icon that like has been in our lives and. Like I even I even think for him to an extent like I that like it humbles him because he just doesn't realize the impact he still has on people and like mm-hmm. it was just it was really cool talking to him like because even when I li- so I listened back to the episode once it came out and I was just like like he just still has the voice like it's still that voice yeah like, dude. He just, <laughs> like it's just yeah it was it was just very like surreal and I. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm just really glad that he came on. It was it was rad. Yeah, it was. <laughs> With that being in mind, though, I think we can move on to our next rad segment called Something You Love and Hate. Matt and Cody have a lot to say. What do they love and hate? I got to talk about the thing I hate. So I, I'm going to tell you a little story and why at least it is. So I was... I was working a close and it was a long week and it like I did uh, I haven't worked closes like multiple closes in a week in a long time and like that's going to be kind of my new schedule so just getting used to it and mm-hmm. so I work till I work in a bar the kitchen's open till midnight you know I'm there like all night basically and so it was one of those nights where it was just kind of funky type of business and we get a call that yeah we're going to have a group of 16 come in like okay and they're like, six of us are kids, six, including six underage kids. 
and because we have food and we have like a it's it's like it's more it's a little bit like leaning toward more towards the restaurant now than it was a bar but it's still a bar it's a pub it's labeled Mm -hmm. that and so like okay i mean in my personal opinion i think it's kind of shitty for that big of a group to bring six fucking kids to a bar go go to an actual restaurant people (laughs) but to each his own whatever so they get there and here's where how we knew it was going to be a terrible night they come in and they go hey so the adults are going to go sit outside on the patio and we're going to sit the kids inside they're like we can do that right you'll you'll be okay with that and we're like you watch my children for me right yeah you'll watch my my children my underage children in a bar that's busy because it was fairly busy at that point. They wanted to leave their kids inside while they drank outside. And we're like, first off, we're not your fucking babysitter. Like, you know, like that's what I wanted to do. But they're like, no, because one, that is illegal. That's neglect for anybody listening. If you go to a bar and you leave your underage kids unattended, we could call you the police for neglect. If you needed to be reminded that for whatever reason, which I really genuinely hope all of our awesome listeners and stuff like that, you don't think that. Because I know you don't think that because you're fucking awesome. You're listening to us. Look, all, but, all of our listeners are big brain people in yeah. the actual sense, not in the not in the pandering sense. Like, yeah, they, they, seriously. They're not, <laughs> we can rely on them to do the right thing and not raise Hitler point two, two point oh. Yeah. So they threw a massive tantrum at the fact that we wouldn't babysit their kids at a bar. Oh, my God. And one of the dads literally the entire stay said, I don't know what the fucking problem is. I don't know what the fucking problem is. Why do we have basically why do we have to watch our kids at a restaurant? Oh, my God. And he was like, we should just go somewhere else. We should have just gone somewhere else the entire time. And then they brought in outside food from King Supers, (laughs) fed their kids that, just fed them candy and shit from King Supers, let them destroy the patio outside because of that. And there was nothing the servers could do because there was only like two of them and a bartender and it was ended up being a full house. And I'm cooking food. So that was all happening. (laughs) And and I'm cooking food. (laughs) And I was, we were just, all of us were just like, what the fuck is wrong with these people? And so not only, and it was nine o'clock at night these were like six-year-olds oh, five-year-olds christ dude. going to a bar <laughs> and so and then they they had a 400 dollars tab and only paid 100 and only tipped like 50 bucks on a 400 dollars tab tell me you're a piece of shit person without telling me you're a piece of shit person uh i'm gonna go to a restaurant and expect the staff to watch my kids Jeez, dude what the fuck while i get drunk yeah that's what i so i can't even i can't even handle that i'm like i'm already right i'm already like i want I, you don't even you've never worked in a restaurant and you know how fucking ridiculous that is <laughs> dude i can't even i just can't wrap my like, i can't wrap my head around that right like none of us could we're like we're a bar and they and when we told them that they can't leave their kids unattended one of the moms actually said oh we'll be gone before you become a bar bar what <laughs> yeah we were like we are a how bar. is that if would we we have the second biggest selection of whiskey in the city how is that a we're a bar uh, you know i would try to understand what that shade is supposed to be inferring if it wasn't for the fact that I'm trying to understand how goddamn stupid you have to be to be like, hmm, well, there's center.com, 
uh, there's some family I know. Um, there's there's um, there's a Facebook Marketplace. Um, there's, there's also hundreds of restaurants that are kid friendly. Um, there's Chuck E. Cheese. Um, fuck it. I think the I think Olive the best Garden. people to watch my kids is a bar. Yeah, the best people are is a bartender because they're not because what bartenders don't have anything to do. They, you know, they just stand there. They don't make drinks and serve patrons. They don't do that. No, they just they, they yeah, are literally they, hired you know, to only watch children, and everybody knows that. Yeah, they're they're not there to make sure that the drunk people don't get too rowdy. You know, they're there to watch kids and make sure the drunk people don't touch my kids. Jesus, dude, like. Fuck you. The entitlement. The entitlement of that. And the the thing is, like, that it's just it's so bad now. I don't get it. I really don't understand this horrid entitlement at restaurants anymore. Like it's just disgusting. And they wanted to get and they wanted to give a bad review of you, you know it. what it is? I actually I because do have a we theory wouldn't about watch their this. kids. Like and I and I've thought of it so what? Like, cause yeah, I even see it at my work where just like, there's just like an even more unusual amount of just like shitheads being very shitheady. And so like, and I, it's too like, and here's extra, my theory. Here extra. is my theory. And so like, you know, uh, I don't, I'm, I'm not saying it is the exact reason, but is this is what I've clinged to, to try to gain an understanding. So, uh, we would obviously 2020 happened. We went through it. It was awful. I don't need to go over that, but because of that, Eventually, you know, we were hearing like, oh, there's this there's this vaccine that we can take, uh, which is two shots, and then we can go back to everything normal. Uh, businesses are starting to open up. Public places are starting to open up. Hey, let's go ahead and start heading out. People are getting vaccinated. Let's start going populating these places. Um, oh, my God, there's a new mutant variant of, of the COVID disease now called the Delta variant. And so I didn't get vaccinated, but because of that, uh, it does matter because people who are vaccinated are still getting sick so why is everything now closing back down again and why is it that i can't go enjoy it you know what fuck it people i'm getting tired of the back and forth and we're just gonna go out and i'm gonna make it my problem if i don't get to have my social interaction so what i'm basically getting at here is i'm playing the part of somebody who uh is wanting to just be a shithead because i really do think that like the biggest issue is that we were all clinging to the vaccine solving problems and making it so we can go back to just you know normal normalcy or whatever you know that looks like and because now that that is backpedaling because people aren't getting vaccinated because we're just suck as because <laughs> we like, suck as humans yeah that would we work as humans that I'll, would work if everyone but, got the vaccine but here's that's that's, the that's my that theory would. is that because of that nobody's comprehending the unhinged situation that we're all in except for people that do comprehend it and realize it and see through the veil but those that still want to live within this veil of ignorance that eventually it'll just like kill over and that everything will go back to normalcy. I don't have to worry about getting vaccinated. I have to, I can let everyone else can worry about that, but it's still not going my way. It's, it's now an ego thing. It is now developed into an ego thing for all of these shithead people to not get vaccinated, to just cause problems because their bar that they went to isn't operating the way that it's supposed to now that, uh, we've waited a year 
because it, and and, mm-hmm. and that's what it is like it's honestly it's i've been telling even people on my work i'm like we are living through a prime example of humanity's hubris and effect and it's driving everyone crazy and it really is like it's 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 and, I, and <laughs> yeah. don't get me wrong i'm not saying there aren't good people out there that have done that haven't gotten vaccinated oh. or that have got you uh, there are those that have gotten vaccinated that are not being shitheads that are treating businesses right of course there are those patrons but there are still people who just their whole fucking thing even though that afghanistan's going to shit again (laughs) even though that uh corpses of children are being found under churches even though people are killing each other for the most ridiculous reasons their life is this the most inconvenienced because their goddamn kids won't be watched by a bartender because the entire (laughs) existence of life itself even though it's so massive and weird as a little minuscule thing doesn't matter because they should be able to watch my kids and that's more important than the guy down the street getting a meal yeah you feel what i'm saying here yeah like they they should watch my kids while i get shit-faced and if my kid gets hurt in here at a bar where it's illegal for them to be alone it's not my fault i i honestly think that's what it is i think it's just that uh it's people being impatient people wanting to things to go back to the way they just used to be even if it's not ready to go back to things they used to be i'm sorry it's um, just again like you know I, I keep hearing that i'm like do we really want to go back to how things used to be things that how things used to be still suck well yeah i mean of course like me and you and and we're going to give the benefit of the doubt to all of our listeners you know of course we don't but again these shithead people who don't think outside their own fucking world view don't think that way yeah by by words what i'm saying here if you play it around any of them it's just gonna come around as libtard pussy bullshit you know or snowflake or being fragile or whatever or you're and, part you're just a sheep because you, you're following what they say about the vaccines i'm not a sheeple and what it, what it really is is just they're dismissing it they're just dismissing it because it's not worth their time they don't want to be told that they're wrong they don't want to be you know i'm assuming they don't want to feel like they're being treated as stupid even though they are literally doing things to be treated that way um you know they they it, it's a civil thing they want it to be like some sort of like civil fucking liberty that they're fighting for but you know it's it, at the, and in the, like in my head i'm like what civil liberty again cody these are people I that can't look outside what? their own world view these are these are people who if their starbucks drink isn't made with the exact right amount of coffee and milk and what have you and they not will, served in a red cup i almost forgot the, i forgot that that, that yeah yeah that that barista is worse than hitler like that this, <laughs> that is the mentality of these people like unless their inconvenience is our inconvenience then it, you know then they're being mistreated they're not being heard out their uh, their opinion doesn't matter and here's the thing something it just because you say it's your opinion doesn't make it true doesn't mean that you are not safe from being wrong uh generally having opinion on any sort of matter has to have some sort of validity not because it's subjective to you because that's purely biased it needs to actually be valid based off the context of the information so it can be objectively agreed upon or at least possibly and the fact that no one gets that and it's just like such a backpedal in our intelligence as a society it drives me crazy that i just put in my headphones and i listen to death metal <laughs> i listen to murder <laughs> that is death metal that is death metal <laughs> and essentially any death metal song is always just a song about murder yep. all the time all the time <laughs> <laughs> people ask me at work they're like how do you keep it together and i was just like because it's all in my ear 
It's all in my it's ear. It's all in my ear. The only thing that could drown out the Karens and Kyles of the world, and also, I'm not counting any actual Karen or Kyle that is a genuinely good person. Do know that we know you exist. Yeah, and I have one we will protect Kyle. you. He's my, but we, he's my cousin. We, we <laughs> protect you. We will protect you. <laughs> but, like, the only thing that drowns out those voices is just, like, Corpse Grinder in my ear singing about chainsawing people in half. Like, yep. I know when my co like when at especially at the old folks home when they'd ask me how I was doing all four jobs and stuff like that, especially dealing with all the craziness, I just look at <laughs> and go, I listen to murder podcasts. <laughs> I research serial killers weekly. How do you think I get through it? <laughs> yeah, and so but yeah, I mean, let's go ahead and let's palate yeah. cleanse, let's let's stop being bleeding heart yeah. lip tards and I and, guess, you know, expecting you to be a decent patron at a fucking <laughs> restaurant. Oh my god, yeah. I must be Hitler. <laughs> Shame on you, Cody. You you should I have know. given up Did- you should have stopped cooking food and just watched the kids. Yeah, fucking, I guess. I should have just stopped and stared at them. And when they said, well, where's our food? I'd be like, well, I have to watch your fucking kids and I can't make your food. Cody, I guess that means I'm Hitler. Cody, come on. You weren't trying hard <laughs> enough. You could have just brought out a platter of bread, turkey, and cheese and told all patrons to make their own dinner. <laughs> Joke's on them. We don't have turkey. <laughs> of just bread and cheese. <laughs> and they could make their own cold grilled cheese. <laughs> But let's palate cleanse with things. Now that'd love. still be too good for him. <laughs> to, to tune in, to transition that we're gonna play. We're gonna play a nice, a nice little happy chord. Okay. Okay. Time for something we love. <laughs> that didn't sound too happy. Time for something we love. Okay, there we go. That's better. All right, That's that better. was better. There, the heart was finally in it. Thank you. Thank you. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so I did the thing we hate. What do you love? <laughs> so, um, honestly, it's, it's, I, I, I know it's, it, I'm going to get shit for it, but it's Star Wars. <laughs> do you like, like how I set that up? Um, no, legitimately, like, I just, I've, I've gotten very much more into, like, heroes versus villains, and, like, I still gotta work with my temperament with some of the matches, because, uh, admittedly so, the ranking system on heroes versus villains does need work, like, uh, but, but what I do, but not, with that being said, there are actually really good games where it's like, even when I lose, um, it's not a complete like steamroll and it feels nice, but there's also like enough matches that I've gotten into where like, I'll like some of my heroes that I play as are like level 100 or like over a hundred. Like I'm not trying to brag, but the reason I bring that up is, uh, some of the other players I interact with are still just getting into the game. And so like they're level five, 15, or even like 30. And so like, mm-hmm. uh, even though like it's kind of like not as doesn't always happen in heroes versus villains whenever i see like just like a whole team of just like low levels i try to actually go a little in this i don't mean to pander but i do go a little easier in the sense that i just try to duel each one one on one and like mm-hmm. let them know like like i'm not gonna like steamroll me i would rather you get an experience of this without being able to communicate that of course with just like character interaction um and it's just like i've had the same treatment from other people where people are just happy to have people play this game and would rather not steamroll and would rather try to let people have a chance and have fun and i just really enjoyed it like i don't think the community is as bad as it once was i'm not saying it still isn't hasn't gotten Mm -hmm. any better because there's still like tons of hackers that ruin it um but from more often than not like um 
you know, I, I enjoy having those matches where, like, I'll be Darth Maul, and there'll be, I'll be going against, like, a, a Obi-Wan, and uh, we just jump around and, like, do force blocks and whatnot, and, like, just fuck around. <laughs> <laughs> then eventually mm-hmm. we duel like it's like a night like a nice thing it like brings me back to um just like why i've always loved playing video games uh, but before i transition and give it off to you the to, to, to top that off is uh there's also a time recently where um, i hung out with my dad and one of the things that we did growing up and like why i played video games so much is that he he indulged that with me and enjoyed playing video games too well our favorite thing was going to their arcades all the time and well Recently, it was the first time in over 10 years that we went to an arcade, um, and they had this, like, Halo arcade game. Oh, yeah, that game's tight. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun as hell. <laughs> uh, but we were playing it, and, like, you you cannot pull my dad away from it. We were, we were like, there for a couple hours just, like, fighting the Covenant, and, like, it just it brought me back <laughs> to, like, the 90s with my dad, just, like, being a kid, going to play the Jurassic Park on Rail Shooter game. Um that would yeah that one's one of my I, I yeah that one's tight too i love that game oh, I, wa- yeah. I want that game ported to like the switch man so bad like all those like arcade light light rail games i'm so mad they don't get ported to like the that switch w- or even the wii that one would be really hard to program though just because of like because it's all about the motion uh not the motion control but like the the gun that was attached to it so it would be harder to yeah. like aim with the switch controllers but i feel you like they i mean they could they they were able to port fucking time crisis to the dreamcast you can port that yeah but that's the dreamcast <laughs> i know but the but and it played well though even with the the duck and cover and stuff oh like yeah that. but like, all you have to do is like do it put it to a button instead of like you know yeah but the, like they came out with a peripheral for it so it like made it easier to play it um and I don't think there. I'm assuming maybe there's a peripheral for the switch where you could just do like a railgun because that'd be cool. I because I yeah. I mean I'm for it. Don't get me wrong. I'm just I'm just saying I doubt it will happen. I because it was also a Sega title from back in the day, and I and I, yeah. and I don't think I don't think that's like in Sega in Sega's interest, sadly. But um, co- but coming back to it, like just it, it was it was an awesome moment. Like I felt like a kid again with my dad, just hanging out with him and just like shooting aliens like it was just it was really rad and so yeah but that's that's what i love that's cool man (laughs) my honestly mine's a little bit on star wars too (laughs) actually uh so the other night i was playing uh, a little bit of star wars Mm -hmm. before bed and stuff and audrey was up i just kind of looked i was like do you want to try it and so she finally like tried it for the first time we ended up losing the match because she didn't know what God to do damn it, <laughs> which is fine <laughs> but then i set it up because like on uh yeah i know right um you scrub <laughs> i mean she she got a kill wow so like <laughs> but after that like that was it but then i set it up to where so on battlefront 2 you can do locals uh split screen on certain for certain like setups and uh i put it the split screen on for me and her to just do like a survival round so just uh kill on a thousand enemies or whatever i just set it at the max because i didn't know how long we, we had before she would pass out and so like 
she loved it. She loved being able to actually sit and play with me and just like wander around. I let her play as Rey because she wanted to be the female Jedi. And she was just like hacking at like stormtroopers when she'd see them. And like I was just running around as Luke, like protecting her. <laughs> and she was just actually having a lot of fun. You're, you're big. You're big. You were actually treated her like a Padawan. Yeah, exactly. And just I was like, just Luke's just like, is this what Obi-Wan went through with my dad? <laughs> as like Rey's just in the corner trying to open a door with her lightsaber <laughs> and i did it yet luke i got it but yeah no it's just a lot of fun because she actually like enjoyed playing a little bit of star wars with me and she's been uh we've been playing um mario kart together and she's finally kind of starting to get the hang of it because i made it so the switch controller she turns it by like you know rotating the switch controller that's how she steers and she got a more she got a handle of it more that way like she can actually turn more but she's still grasping like having to follow the road and stuff because i think she follows my character and thinks that's her <laughs> still even though she's cat peach look i mean but it's it's something i'm enjoying it because like she's just she's enjoying sitting and playing a game with me like that's um, you could you could it. also be cat peach and so that way even if you win you could be like audrey you won yeah <laughs> <laughs> well that's what we do in uh just dance so i just put on the sweat mode and then because it doesn't keep score say who got like if there's a winner of the dance or whatever mm -hmm. and she fucking loves it because i just let her do her own dance like every she has a couple of them where she's starting to actually follow the the dancing but when she doesn't want to follow it, I just she goes, I'm a, I, I don't like this. I go, how about you just dance normally? Just do whatever you want. And she goes, <gasps> and just dances to the song. And it's still like a lot of fun. <laughs> that's how I've been trying to get some of my exercising in. <laughs> Aw, that's so but sweet. She likes yeah, that. I think I'm going to start taking air into arcades even more now because she's ready. Yeah. She's, she's ready to, uh, she's ready to earn, earn the <laughs> of F. Of the next Tekken champion. Right. See, uh, like, the thing with her... Yeah, that'd be great. The thing with Audrey is, like, I feel... I almost feel like she only... I don't... I'm still... Like, she's still young. I don't know. But I feel like she's just kind of, like, feeling out games. Like, I don't know if she's really into them. But she has a few that she really likes. Like, I just downloaded uh, Cooking Tycoon. Because they were on... Like, you get three of them for a dollar on the Switch right now. And she's oh, yeah. really excited to try those. So, those, like... If she ends up liking them, I might pick up Overeat, Overcooked, just those like cooking party games, and see if she likes that since they're super silly. Oh, because I'm like, because I'm like, uh, that part of me is like, no, don't be a cook, Audrey, don't do it. It's a terrible life. Everyone's just so angry and full of nicotine and caffeine. You don't need this. But then at the same time, like, if I teach you now. You can be a better cook than me and work in a better restaurant with angrier people, but you'll make more money. <laughs> I'm sure there, I'm sure we have a listener who is a cook and is just like nodding their head with a cigarette in their mouth. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah he gets it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you, man. <laughs> so, but yeah, um, no, that's the thing I love too, is that Audrey's been like, she's, she does love Star Wars, even if she, like, she loves watching me play Star Wars. She doesn't like the shows or the movies too much, but we'll get there. <laughs> Well, one one step at yeah, a time. Yeah, you know what? Um, she likes watching the games and likes hearing the pew pew. That's all. Uh, I'm good there for now. <laughs> but yeah, I think with that in mind, we can go ahead and move on to the next segment of the show, which is our movie reviews. Yay! 
Whether it's blood guts or ghosts in the closet Spiders that are haunting us down Or that one guy with that one eye patch These <laughs> are the movies that we give you the pros and cons about Any triggers to watch out for Like that one guy with the eye patch Because <laughs> that guy himself is a trigger <laughs> <laughs> He just walks up to you and goes Moist <laughs> Damn it Alright, so we are jumping right back into it with some movie reviews for you ghouls, gals, creeps, and mutants out there. So, in relation to our Tuesday theme, which again, shout out to Smurf. I know we already gave him a big, huge shout out, but again, check him out. Check out 5280 Geek. Make sure you got your tickets to Colorado Festival of Horror. Um, but within that theme of Carl Danke, we have decided to pick two movies that were either about a German cannibal, cannibalism itself... Um, or another German serial killer. So, yeah. Uh, we, we, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> mine. I definitely. I at least I thought I picked one that was a little more like humorous in the in the dark sense, like dark humor, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But it, I mean, depending on on your level of dark humor, dark humor that you like, you either are gonna love this movie or uh, some of the jokes will fall a little flat here and there but then again uh the movie itself isn't really meant to be a comedy in that regard Uh um but it has those moments but i'll explain it more as i go into with my review of 1989's parents directed by bob balaban written by christopher hawthorne stars randy quaid mary beth hurt and sandy dennis and is about a young boy living in the 1950s suburbia who begins to suspect that his parents are cannibalistic murderers. So, uh... (laughs) (laughs) I am DB. (laughs) Getting right to Uh, it. So, right away, as the movie just pops off with its opening intro, the attention to detail for it being a late 80s movie set in the 50s is still very on point. Uh, even the opening music, although like reminiscent of the time, is remixed with some flair, serving as a somewhat hint that not all is what appears within uh, the parents of May- of Randy Quaid and uh, Mary Beth Hurt themselves. Um, and so, I mean, you know, we the movie just opens up to us focusing on. Uh, uh, the little boy who I am doing just a poor job. Uh, Michael, excuse me, I'm sorry. Uh, following Michael, who, um, as he starts his morning routine with mom and dad, you know, he's at the breakfast table. It's it's very tit for tat with its scenes. You know, it's it's pretty. It is very like not big huge surprise each scene that comes into the movie because it is about the dichotomy between <laughs> Michael and what then the relationship he has with his cannibalistic parents um, and, and again credit goes oh. to uh, Brian Madorsky who played the role as Michael uh, he honestly doesn't have a really long like filmography I think this might be his only movie um, and so with that in mind you know you can you can kind of see that with some of the acting here and there. However, he did win uh, Best Actor 
for this movie and he shares that award with randy quaid in this film and i think that is something to, like touch on that i really want to make known here is that there's there isn't like much scare factor till near the end of the movie um and so it's all about just like michael kind of like walking on eggshells around his dad um while mom is always there to you know to help pick up the pieces and so again credit does go to randy quaid too with uh which by the way if you're listening to the show and you don't know who randy quaid is uh he was in independence day in the national lampoon series um and also kingpin so <laughs> he deserves credit for bringing and executing a natural unhinged nature to the role of uh nick uh Lamel. so i and i'm probably messing up the name because i think it's supposed to be like a, a take on the name lame because it's like l-a-e M-L-E, so it's like or Lamel, or Lamele. Lamel. Lamel. But yeah, like, it's it's very much just like, you can see, like, Michael staring at his parents, like, he already knows what's going on, like, he he suspects them of something, and like, that's that's not going to be a twist in the movie, because it makes that known early on. Um, and so I will also say this, there isn't a lot of trigger warnings throughout this movie. Um, I mean, if I was going to put, I mean, I only have one trigger warning for it and I'll get to it when I get to that, uh, point. Um, but really, I mean, like, uh, it, it, oddly enough for a movie being about cannibals, um, and cannibal parents, like, and with shots of them emphasizing, like, on meat grinding and, you know, the mom cooking kidneys in the morning for them to eat, um, you know it's it's there isn't too too many like uh triggering scenes and so i i think this is also like a good cannibal movie that you could watch just about anybody um i i probably wouldn't recommend it for a younger audience that's for sure but like you know maybe 16 and up you know take take that with a grain of salt <laughs> and, you know i i assume all our girls and gals and creeps mutants uh, are pretty good judges in that case but yeah coming back to it um as the day goes on in Michael's life, we see him go to school. Uh, well, he's going to a new school now because of his dad's job. And so, like, him and another girl are the two new kids in this class. So, instantly, they create a bond. Um, and with that in mind, there's, like, a moderate pace. Because, again, like, the you're already going to know what the big secret is. That's the whole point. Um, and this movie is, like, supposed to be about the tension that uh, Randy Quaid's character Nick has with Michael. Because, like, Nick, throughout, the as the movie progresses, is suspecting more and more, like, does Michael actually know where the meat's coming from? Does he, you know, does he know our dirty little secret? And so, like, without directly coming out and asking michael throughout the majority of the film like randy craig does a really good job of just like being tense with michael when he when it's supposed to be like a moment like a scene of like not being tense just father and son like interaction but um you know again the what makes it kind of unnerving is that again we have this knowledge that michael has this knowledge and we see how he learned this knowledge through a traumatic way and that's kind of where this scare factor lies because you find out later on in the movie that like hit like much like any kid who gets scarred as a as a kid he walks in on his parents um consummating their relationship you know and uh but they're not doing it the normal way they're doing it covered in blood because 
cannibals. Um, and so, like, it, you know, it's 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 definitely the scene. Those scenes themselves, those flashback scenes, are definitely like played off and edited in a way like it's supposed to be. Like, oh, maybe it was just a nightmare you had, Michael. Um, but like again, you know, we know the truth. And again, credit also needs to get to the camera work in the film with wide shots of even Michael coming home after his first day. Um, you know, and his parents, and his parents are essentially coming into the scene off screen. It does put in perspective the world Michael lives in, or in this case, how the world surrounds Michael, with him always being kind of like small and surrounded by everything big around him. You know, this examples, obvious examples are again like his father and his mother, but also a new school that he's gone to, and you know, it it does help kind of like put the viewer in the sense of like, okay, Michael is a very vulnerable kid, obviously, you know, like he's a small kid, but I just really love these shots because it's like he walks into his house and like his house is like 10 times his size and so I just thought it was like a really good uh, shot that they kept in the film that really kind of like gives the example of the dichotomy of the relationship between Michael and his parents like they're there but they're not fully there in a well mental way in this case Um, because again cannibals cannibals I wonder why. Um, so, and credit yeah. goes to Mary Beth Hurt as well. It takes, a, for me, it took a little bit as the movie progressed, uh, but she deserves recognition, Recognition, excuse me, for balancing the dynamic on screen with Randy Quaid. Um, and again, if you if you don't know who Mary Beth Hurt is, she was in the world, according to Garp, the dead girl in Untraceable. Uh, but coming back to it, she, uh, yeah, so she does, like, balance the dynamic between the relationship, uh, because Randy Quaid's character is supposed to be more unhinged, but hers is supposed to serve as the anchor and advocate for Michael, and, uh, realizations of his parents, though, uh, Michael does kind of, like, start to realize that maybe his mom is somebody he can't really trust, but he still wants to trust because of Mold's mom. Um, and also, it probably... Mm -hmm doesn't really need to be said but fucking like randy quaid is a great villain in this movie he is very much the bad guy in the movie um and although lily who again is played by mary beth hurt the wife is oops i just hit my mic i am so sorry um <laughs> although lily isn't much my better, ears um, <laughs> nick wears his comic book like villainy on his sleeve and this is like when uh, uh nick takes michael to uh, bring your son to work day at toxico and uh he's doing this presentation for an investor and he's like you can see with our latest uh, you know our latest technology all you have to do is just drive a plane over any place of forestry or any green greenery in general and this chemical will come down and kill everything down to the roots so you can make it for an easier more smooth excavation and so like like he's he's serving like a comic book villain he's like yes yes we'll destroy the rainforest and all for the profit to myself like without really being so on the nose with it like that but like yeah, like that's that's the thing. Like he's just he's just a good villain in this mm-hmm. movie. Like and and that him at Toxico with his son with Michael really does sell that. Um, and so as the movie moves on, you know Michael's caught between you know can I really feel that safe going home? At least you know with my mom there, I feel fine. Um, but you know I'm still a lonely kid in this big world. And eventually he does like make more of a friendship with the new girl um, that he made friends with on his first day of school who uh who's also played by uh 
uh, excuse me, uh, Sandy Dennis, I believe. I'm actually going to need to check that really fast. I am so sorry, listeners, because, like, I don't want to be wrong on this. I want to make sure I got my shit just right. Um, uh, no, it's not Sa- uh, Sandy Dennis. Excuse me. I'm so sorry, everybody. Uh, it's London Juno <laughs> who plays uh, Sheila. Sorry, London Juno who plays Sheila, which is uh, the girl that Michael makes friends with. <clears throat> but coming back to it. Um, so, yeah. So, with that in mind, you know, it's... Uh, Sandy Dennis herself, who starred in The Four Seasons, The Out of Towners, and Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, is fantastic as Millie Dew, the uh, school psychologist and counselor. Like, she's, well, she's, uh, uh, yeah, she's a child psychologist, excuse me, and she does great in this movie, you know, being another advocate for Michael, being like, hey, it's okay if you don't feel safe to go home, you know, do weird things happen at your home, because I saw this drawing you made in art class, and it's just, like, covered in red, so, you know, as as literal as a red flag that is, you know, like, it, obviously she doesn't speak this exact way to um, Michael, but mm-hmm. she does, like, serve as another anchor for him in his life, because it really does come to being, like, when is dad gonna snap and possibly snuff out Michael so he doesn't blurt out the parent's secret, you know? Um, and again, although in a more in a more dark comedy lighthearted yeah. way, the film does touch on the trauma that Michael has experienced catching his parents that one night in the act of consuming flesh. And I, and I do want to give that just like a little nod. Like, it doesn't spend too much time on it, but in a very like film artistic way, it like incorporates it in the movie without completely dismissing it. I mean, keep in mind, this is like a 1989 film, so maybe that kind of like ages a little differently but i i liked how they did it um it was just kind of quick and to the point with how they incorporated it in the movie but that also goes into like my pros for like the camera work of the film um and i gotta say mm-hmm. with this i didn't think this movie is was going to be as bloody as it was but <laughs> because because of how they did it i am getting you to four out of five buckets of gore because a lot of the gory scenes focus on like the human meat that's being stored in the house, how it's being cooked, how it's being cut up. Um, you don't really see like Randy Quaid's character or, you know, Mary Beth Hurt's character kill anyone for the most part. I mean, they like, at least not in a brutal way of what we're used to, you know, but the not really goes uh-huh. to it. Cause it was the golden, it is the golden era of practical uh-huh. effects. And it, does not disappoint in this movie um and although it's like not completely over the top the execution the detail is very top notch like there is one scene where um there's a lot of points in the movie where like michael just has like traumatic nightmares and in one of them the fridge starts bleeding from the top and starts Mm. just like drizzling down the front of it and it's a very like simple effect like i know that's not like a super wow thing but that incorporated with a lot of the other practical effects in this movie do warrant the four out of five just because it's that golden era there's no cg it's really on point they executed it very well um as the movie does go on though you know michael's just trying to find somebody who may or may not listen to him about this crazy thing that he saw his parents do eating you know eating flesh and having sex but mostly the eating flesh and <laughs> and so he hangs out more with uh Sheila. no no you know what's more traumatic is seeing your parents have sex I, that Everybody's was probably the worst traumatic. part uh, he, he could have he probably he saw that and he was like you know what fuck it i don't want to eat anything anymore like what the cannibal the cannibalism would have been done. fine if it wasn't for the sex <clears throat> yeah i could i could look past the eating people thing and we're like oh yeah that burger looks good right <laughs> but bro but that's like, my mom <laughs> 
So, but as the movie co- continues on and uh, we see Michael uh, hang out with Sheila more, they, uh, you know, Sheila kind of starts to hint at some of the troubles that she's going through in her life. Um, why she doesn't always like to go home. And so there, it, at one point she just hangs out with Michael over at Michael's house. And uh, there is a trigger warning at 44 minutes and five, or yeah, 44 minutes and five seconds. And uh, if you'd want to skip it, it is a trigger warning for underage drinking. So skip to 45 minutes and 25 seconds if you want to avoid it. Um, but without going into too much of the detail, basically it's, uh, it, Sheila finds the wine cabinet in Michael's cellar. And so they, uh, so Sheila and Michael, well, at least Sheila drinks majority of like the wine. And, um, there's a scene where like they're hiding in the freezer and she keeps just like pouring, uh, wine on top of, uh, Michael. And she's like, take off your shirt. And eventually Randy Quaid's character, Nick walks in. He like, obviously they're in trouble now and the scene transitions to Michael being disciplined. But the reason I went into the detail about it was because like, it was kind of i didn't know too well if this counted as a trigger warning but because of like the context and how it plays out in the movie i felt maybe i should just kind of touch on it and let people make up their own judgments you know i mean it's it's not the scene to see in the movie you know and i'm trying to not hype Mm -hmm. it up like it is the scene but i it did make me feel just like a little uncomfortable just because like you know I, it's underage drinking and as much of a core dog as I am like I was pretty much against it around that age due to my own personal reasons but you know that's why that's why I was like I was like uh, do I make this a trigger warning I'm like sure I'm like we used to underage drink <laughs> yeah but like like in the movie and they're we did like, stupid shit yeah but we were we were like 16 17 these these kids are like at least like seven to nine i'm guessing okay fair enough i mean yeah that that like if i were to if i were to see audrey at nine years old like crack open a beer <laughs> like it's it's it, it was just a weird i just wasn't too sure if like it really required a trigger warning you know because like and maybe it's because like i'm just so used to giving so many trigger warnings for the past few movie, movies we're done we've done uh-huh that i'm just assuming this counts as one because i'm just like there's no horror movie that doesn't have a trigger warning at this point <laughs> so so that's that you know so that's what i mean you know take it or leave it that's just it's just a scene it's not the biggest deal and i i don't mean to make it sound like it is um so coming back to it though uh as as a movie and i promise i'm wrapping up i uh, wrapping up here i got like five points and then uh and then i will pass it on see you good buddy but um although there's a risky shot within the movie nod must go to the detail put in the film again as in the scene where we watch as michael watches his father uh, excuse me father cut open a cadaver we can see him making the decision via reflection of nick's glasses uh lauren actually watched the movie with me and pointed this out so shout out to her for that one uh but yeah as he's you know michael is cutting open a cadaver because well you again this is where he gets his meat if you know if it's not fresh it's stored frozen and so you can see him cutting open the chest of the cadaver via the reflection of his glasses. And I just, I liked that attention to detail once it was pointed out to me. Like, I thought that was really good. Um, 
and then even when Nick picks up Michael on the side of the road after the prior scene that I just mentioned because Michael stuck snuck into Toxico to uh, like well just you know uh, spy on his father to see what he does see where he gets the meat um, it, Michael then starts walking home and Nick finds Michael his son on the side of the road and uh, this scene itself is also very nerving in nature and is executed very well as we are unsure what words or maybe actions might be have had with Michael in this scene because uh, you, you can you can tell like Nick at this point is just like I know he knows I'm just waiting for him to like admit it like I need the admission um, and so again Randy Quaid man like he just he really brings like a side of his acting to this film that we don't see that often because he's very associated with comedy movies and so you know I, I just do want to give that extra nod but uh, eventually you know Sandy Dennis's character Millie you know she she follows Michael home and well she doesn't follow him she gives him a ride home and Michael's like very upset so she runs in with Michael to their home to be like Michael it's okay it's okay um, and as this happens we begin to enter the climax of the film because at this point millie is being hunted in the home of the lamels and excuse me sorry i'm burping um now as oh god yeah i'm sorry so we begin to enter the climax of the film as now the suspected secret Michael knew about his parents is now in the open. Michael is now being forced to eat the meat that he has tried to sworn off the whole movie because, well, unfortunately, I Millie doesn't make it out of this one. And so you could kind of put the equation together yourself, but he's he's now being forced to eat this meat and he doesn't want to because he knows it's he knows it's human meat. And so Michael in this scene at the dinner table accidentally drops some scissors. And so the scissors that he mm -hmm. drops, though, are for uh, cutting open cadavers. And so, he, you know, as he bends down to pick up the scissors, Nick bends down with him and is like, what you got there, champ? And so, like, you know, Michael's just like, uh, they're just they're just scissors and he's like where'd you uh where'd you get these scissors from you know like hard interrogation and then just like eventually nick just like really kind of like tries to be overt toxic because at this i mean at this whole movie he always has been but he stabs like michael's dinner and so at that point you know michael's just like i think i'm dying tonight um and asks to go to bed and gives his mom a kiss and you know, Nick's like, what about me? None for me. You know, very just kind of like <laughs> bad dad at this point, even though he's been a bad dad the whole movie. Um, yeah. And so what ends up happening is that um, Michael ends up going to the cellar and finds the dead body hanging at this point. Nick knows he needs to do something about it. And so Nick starts to chase Michael and tries to, well, you know, kill him because Michael, or Nick grabs a knife. He's like, we can start again. You know, next one will be just, will be better than this one. He won't let us down. I'll raise him right. And so, um, as you know, Nick is chasing Michael. We see Lily try to kill Nick in order to protect Michael in a, 
which is a a really cool scene in itself because a slight dread does set in signaling that even if michael survives the encounter um with his life will his life continue after the ordeal um and so it's kind of like maybe some things are just best covered up by the credits as this whole scene plays out um and so i won't go too much into a spoiler warning um other than that you know michael does come out of this unscathed um but he ends up you know living with grandma and grandpa at the end of the movie and so you know they leave him with a with a side of like a meat sandwich on his nightstand as they kiss him off to good night and at the end of this movie the viewer itself is going to be left with the experience of witnessing one of the more hidden gems of the late 80s whether you're watching it for the depraved cannibalistic intentions of the parents the smooth attention to detail the 50s aesthetic or even wanting a more light-hearted gore ride uh, parents definitely has something for most horror fans of the horror genre um i you know i i do think that this is a great movie for anybody who does just want to like tip their toe into horror but not like fully commit um this is a great movie for you i think this is right up your alley and yeah that this has been my review of parents i know if i feel like i'm very like robotic with how i've done this review and i swear i'm not trying to it's just this is i'm just like staying hyper fixated at the moment and so if you want to check out parents though uh you can watch it right now on amazon prime with a prime subscription um that's how i watch the movie you can also watch it on itunes buy it or rent it there voodoo and google play again i strongly recommend parents it's a fantastic movie if you liked my review if you liked watching uh serial mom the john waters film this is also going to be right up your alley um because it also just serves as like it also has themes of like throwing shade at the suburban culture and uh, so w- with that in mind you know again like parents is just a really mm-hmm. good one like this is very much just like staying home on a friday night ordering a pizza and just watching this weird cannibalistic darkly humored themed movie play out um so yeah that's my review of parents i strongly recommend it all right yeah no that was good man but uh before we jump into my review do you want to do some trivia yes i completely spaced it (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's all good all right so i got i I just go ahead i want to read the first one go ahead (laughs) just because all right so the film's appropriately bizarre title for its germany release was daddy ist ein kannibal or daddy is a cannibal (laughs) it's okay it's german (laughs) Yeah, uh, the know. surname of the family <laughs> in this movie is Lemley, a Lockley nod to Carl Lamley Jr., producer of such horror classics as Frankenstein's uh, Frankenstein 1931, Dracula 1931, The Mummy 1932, and The Invisible Man non- 1933. The film gross <laughs> i like how like there was a really cool one with the name uh lamley because like carl lamley jr if you remember from the james whale our james whale episode was the guy who helped him make frankenstein and the mummy and the invisible huh, man yeah i would hope so <laughs> um also also gross but cool fact real kidneys not human of course were used in the frying pan scenes delicious 
they're, they're magically delicious. delicious. <laughs> yeah. Very very juicy. Yeah, they gl- yeah. they glisten. <laughs> you know, if you if you uh, can let a baby teeth on them, it'll produce like make their brain get better. Like a raw kidney. Yeah, some fucking like I uh, I forget what. It's not real. <laughs> like that's not, that's not real. But like, uh, oh, okay. On an episode of Crime and Sports, I forget which uh, guy they were talking about. Um, his dad made him when he was an infant and when he was teething and like to suck on things. His dad would give him a, huh. a frozen kidney huh. to suckle on. What I don't know. Are you actually kidding or are you not? No, I mean. That actually happened. That was an Olympian that actually did that. <laughs> like some, da- his dad actually made him suckle on that. I got, I heard that from Crime and Sports. <laughs> okay, so, so it it isn't actually. But it does not. It's gonna stupid. It does not make you smart. Okay. He was just a very <laughs> weird man. Man, you must be kidding me. <laughs> All right, I'll jump into my movie now. <laughs> yeah, you you go ahead. You go ahead. All right, so I did 2013's We Are What We Are. Um, it follows the uh, the Parkers, a reclusive family who follow ancient customs, find their secret existence threatened as a torrential downpour moves into their area, forcing daughters Iris and Rose to assume responsibilities beyond those of a typical family. If the only thing I don't like about that is, like, obviously they're not already following typical family shit because it says in the beginning, follow ancient customs. So, you know. Okay, the movie is a lot better than that. how that synopsis is. I just got to say that because the movie is super smart and it knows you're what? super smart and it doesn't hold your hand and it's really good. It's probably one of the better fucking, like, mysteries I've ever seen. So, anyways, it stars... I'll get into it in a second. It stars Bill Sage, Amber Childs, Julia Garner, Baby Wyatt Russell... Um, Kelly McGillis and Michael Parks and I'm going to keep saying this on every single goddamn time I don't think Michael Parks gets talked about enough and I think he's a fantastic actor so yeah cool yeah (laughs) Um, it was directed by Jim Mickle Nick DiMicci Jim Mickle and Jorge Michael Grau. He actually wrote the uh, uh, the play that is ba- uh, that was based on Somos Lo Que Hey. Um, this movie is also is actually a remake of or a, yeah remake of an older Spanish movie called We Are What We Are. So mm. yeah. <laughs> um, and so like I kind of got uh, got into there. This is probably one of the best like horror mystery true crime movies i've seen in a long time the pacing of so i will say the movie is a bit of a slow burn it's an hour and 45 minutes it is not a short movie but it is worth it like the slow burn of the slow pace of the movie builds the tension to the penultimate fucking like reveal and then it keeps and the reveal actually happens like a little bit after the middle of the movie and then the ending is probably one of the best (laughs) <laughs> the best dinner scenes and most intense dinner scenes I've seen since Quentin Tarantino uh, Tarantino dinner scenes. You know what I mean? Like the bar scene in Glorious Bastards, how intense that is and just how edge of your seat you are. That's how the fucking dinner scene is in the end. And it's just amazing. 
that I just wanted to throw that in the beginning because I'm like, now I got your attention. So <laughs> we fought uh, this. Uh, so like I also said earlier, this movie does not hold your hand. Like it, it pretty mm-hmm. much wants you to be kind of like a detective yourself while following, like while following the clues of the Parker family and what this ancient ritual is. So like it just feeds you enough of like, hey. This is a little odd about the family. What is that about? Why is why are they doing this? What's going on here? Like, and, and it gives you enough to like you could kind of piece it together as you watch the movie before the big reveal in the end. So it's not like you know, it's not like other cannibal movies where you're like that family's a little odd, and then it's like, well, little Timmy's gonna go over for dinner tonight, and then to little Timmy goes over there and goes, "Hi, Mrs. Mister and Mrs. Parker," and they're just like face first into like some dude's abdomen and stuff like that, and goes, "Oh God, I wasn't expecting this for dinner." Like it doesn't do that, <laughs> you know. Like it's not a twist. It's literally hold like it's feeding you like what's gonna happen, and it's done really, really well. Um, and so, and another really, and another really good thing that this movie does, and like this, another reason why I threw in the Quentin Tarantino dinner like tension, is like I feel like this movie also like took some uh, inspirations from him on how to tell two stories like concurrently because you're following the parker family but you're also following the story of the town and like more and more importantly you're following doc barrow he's kind of like the voice in the heart of the town and you're uh you're following oh that you're also following while all the stuff going on with the parker family so we're going to start out with the uh starting out with the parker family you uh it starts off like the movie starts off following mrs parker driving her van up to a convenience store and you can already tell something's a little off with her because she's a little manic in her van she's praying and shit like that and freaking out and like you kind of think it might be because she's driving through probably a terrible uh rainstorm that you know no right-minded person would ever drive through ever anyways <laughs> like so like maybe that's why she's manic but then she gets to the store and she's like staring down these gloves and shears and then she's just staring down this pig getting butchered and like this way it's shot is done really well where it makes like this pig being butchered like even if you're not into watching butchering like animals being butchered and stuff like that uh you know you'd be uncomfortable with that the way this is shot is for even if you are comfortable with watching that you might feel a little un- like uneasy because like it's just redone really really well like it focuses in on the pig's eye while every while the cutting of it's like a little blurry in the background so it just makes you uneasy and so like you're seeing it from her eyes and then they finally like the guy in the uh the cashier gets her attention gets her attention finally so she breaks her trance but then she falls into another trance and this is where it gives you the like the first big clue of like what might be going on or what's what might be wrong with her because she like gets really emotional at this missing girls poster like she sees it and she like puts her hands on it and does the whole like (laughs) thing like you know the hand goes down slowly as she cries over the poster and but it's like raining so it tears the poster (laughs) you know so like i mean it's not as funny as i'm making it out out to sound it's a little bit more solemn but like that's it's just one of those that i giggled because i'm like of course of course she touches it and (laughs) 
But at that moment, she starts coughing up black goo. So you're like, oh, shit, what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> um, she starts ha- coughing up black goo and everything. And then she starts, like, kind of, she tries to get into her van. And she kind of se- has a little seizure and passes out. And f- she falls back, cracks her head <laughs> on this pipe, and then drowns in a puddle. Oh, thank God. And, like, she, fa- you know, probably, that's, I think this is where M. Night Shyamalan got his idea for to end Split, of, like, killing Bruce. <laughs> Bruce Willis's character, like, oh, a puddle. No, that's that is that's very because that's where she died. <laughs> He's like, that's how I'll do it, because she's like this crazy person, right? It's this great, great guy with just drowns in a puddle. That's how we'll do it. Sorry, I just I fucking hated that movie. The ending just ruined it for me. Anyways, where we're talking about a movie I love, <laughs> and so. She drowns in this puddle, and then we follow. Uh, this movie does actu- actually does a really good job. Like the reason why I talked about the slow burn and the be- like, how this movie like likes to take its time and it's a bit of a slow burn, is because this movie, all, like while it's like showing how intense this family is and like how like there's like. Um, this big family secret and this big family tradition that they want to do is like super intense for them. But this movie also does a really good job at letting them grieve. Like it actually shows the grieving process in the early stages. Cause like in most movies, I feel like, mm-hmm. you know, they have the like, Oh, your mom died. And you just see them do the big, like <laughs> in the beginning, you know, like, Oh God. And it's like two, like two months later. And it just shows them like, yeah, I miss them and stuff. You never see the like, the in between you know i feel like and this movie holds on that so you actually see the impact of not only the uh death of the mom like how that affected these daughters and the dad but how it actually affects their entire family in general and like i think it's just kind of cool that you see the early stages of it and it's just something i don't know i just like i said i just thought that was kind of cool um but so you follow them as they're going through this grieving process but at the same time mr parker looks at his daughters and is like y'all gotta fucking like carry on what your mom did so you gotta do all of her responsibilities I'm pretty certain that means what you're thinking also (laughs) from a couple scenes in the movie. I'm like, they never show it. They never say it, but it's it's hinted at (laughs) like, so no, I won't no trigger there. It's like, be thankful for that. There is no pedophilia. (laughs) So, but yeah, just saying dude okay just saying like after a lot of the intense talks we've had on the serial killers and some of the shit they did like i'm just happy to finally not talk about that (laughs) just yeah um so but like yeah so he tells them especially the eldest daughter iris so she's the kind of like the main daughter that will follow i mean that both daughters do a really good job like do the whole like you know glued at the hip thing um that they have in these kind of things you know they're survivors together because they know what's going on they know what they're doing is wrong but they don't know how to get out of it and that's one thing that i thought also thought the movie does really well at uh when you're following the Parkers is following these daughters, like in this abusive family that they don't want to do what they don't want to do it, but they're struggling at like, how do we get out of it? You know? And I got to give credit to those actresses. They do a, such a great job at just making you feel for them. They're just like, cause they have to go through with like some of this stuff. They truly believe they have to go through with it. And they do like, they end up going through with the, uh, with the, with the whole big family secret and stuff like that. And I just got to give credit to these actors, just, just showing the dread and like the fact that they are victims, you know, like, I feel like they don't do that a whole lot in movies or they, 
they make you know they don't toe the line very well if you know what i mean and so it just it does a really good they do a really good job at acting and the movie does a good job at showing it and so um so you're following them and just like again like i said the movie does really good job at just giving you hints about what this big family secret is as they're going through the process of like getting the big ritual started and stuff like that it just shows you enough to get you like interested to keep watching the movie of like i want to know what the ritual is i want to see what's going on i want to know what happens and so um concurrently we're also following what's going on in the town while they're getting this ready like what and stuff like that and so it does a really good job at showing the effects of this family on the town so like why is that important and stuff and so like i said we're mostly following doc barrow in the town but the uh but the few scenes you see outside like the other the other characters in the town they do such a good job at showing this movie does such a good job at showing like small town demeanor and especially small town cop demeanor and the police force and how they run in there. Cause <laughs> especially for all you listeners that have act that have listened to our serial killer episodes and the ones that take place in small, in small towns, you would know those cops generally aren't that great and don't want to really do their job most of the time and this movie does a really fucking good job at showing the bumblingness of it because so we have a scene here where these two parents are crying and they're like our daughter's missing she doesn't do this she's like so the do- their daughter they describe her as like basically being like you know the bait stereotypical small town princess like i come home every day every night at the at the same time you know like i never cuss i'm a gay old gal you know like she's a good girl (laughs) and like (laughs) she's just a little she's not a little scamp you know she's just a good little girl she follows the rules eats her vitamins and says her prayers (laughs) she she's just a scamp Yep, basically. And they're like, and she didn't come home last night. And we're really worried about that because that's not normal. And the sheriff basically just goes, I mean, she's a kid. Like, we, she probably just went out to a friend's house. Or she's like, she's probably going off and fucking her boyfriend or something. She doesn't want you to know because, you know, we're all religious here. Like, that kind of thing. And like, but they're like, she doesn't do this you're not her parent like can you help us and he's just like look we can't do anything like for 24 hours okay like i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) the parent like the mom just like starts crying is like i fucking hate you i wish you were dead and that's what like she doesn't say that but like you just have you can see that face on her like i fucking hate you and she starts crying that's when he's like all right I mean, I guess we can put up some missing. I doubt anybody's gonna care, but I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) like that's how they like that's basically what they do. Like, and and this movie does a really good job at showing that, like how there's only like one or two people that really care about it, while the rest of the police force is just like, look, we just had a big like, and he literally goes, look, we just had a big storm, so like, we gotta tend to that. (laughs) <laughs> was, I, mean, I get it she's missing but, but the shop yeah like that's more important so who's gonna who's gonna be working the shop on monday yeah like we gotta send the deputy down there and so 
But yeah, and so like again, like this movie does a really good job at doing like the whole small town. Uh, I guess a little bit earlier, this whole small town demeanor, and you're following these two stories uh, concurrently. And so at that point, we also get introduced to Doc Barrow, and he does the autopsy on Mrs. Parker. And he, this is another like really cool clue like that they give to like what the big family secret is and stuff like that. So Mrs. Parker is about like. I would. I think they said she's like between the ages mm-hmm. of 40, 45. She's in her early forties. Um, that's like the char- how the age that the character is supposed to be and everything. And so, like when he does her autopsy, he goes, "Oh, she died. She had early onset Parkinson's. That doesn't take place until you're old, you know." <laughs> And so he's just, and so he kind of see him. He's like, "Why the fuck is she showing that? She's only 40. Mm. And so that's like a cool, like little, little clue about like what might be going on of like why she's, and also why she's coughing up this black goo and stuff like that. And so from there, um, we go back to the Parker family. And so at this point, um, they're like mid. It's already like midpoint of how them setting up the ritual and stuff like that, and you find out that they're on. Uh, you already know that they're in a uh, doing a fast for the ritual, and that's part of it. And oh god, so this this little kid, so the the youngest son of the whole thing, he does such a good job, like honestly, of portraying just a sweet young kid in a movie. I know, like in most horror movies, when you see kids his age in them, they're usually like snot nosed little brats. Or something like that, like i.e. the kid from fucking um, the Babadook. <laughs> but in this movie, he's just so sweet, and you want to pinch his cheeks, and you feel terrible for him because he doesn't know any better of what he's actually eating. <laughs> but at this point in the movie, when you're introduced to him, he's just like, "I want some corn pops." It's not corn pops in the movie; it's a different thing. But I'm just gonna use corn pops as a reference. But he's just like, "Ah, yeah." He's like, "I want some pops," and the and his sisters are like, "He's like, I want to have my pops. I don't want to have human flesh for breakfast He's like, anymore. "I don't want eye holes. I don't want the eyeball." I just want some pops, but now he's. Just, I gotta have my pops. <laughs> yeah. So, um, obviously, in the movie, at this point in the movie, you don't know that yet. So he just walks in and goes, "I want some pops," and the sisters are like, "No, you have to have milk or tea. We're fasting." He's like, "I just want my pops," and they're like, "You get milk or tea." He's like, "But." pops like milk or tea damn it here's your milk just drink your milk and then obviously like you know the little kids who like to be a little snotty like he starts chugging they're like no don't chug it like come on you're gonna get a tummy protect him protect him (laughs) it's just it's just like a little wholesome scene and he's like the one character i latched onto i'm like don't yeah but i hope you're not ruined yeah but protect protect him him. don't i hope you're not ruined by the end of this movie and obviously it's a fake kid but (laughs) i was just like i hope he grows up like happy at some point but anyway yeah so like (laughs) but i also have like sorry because now i have like now i just have like the scene of like it's always in sunny in philadelphia (laughs) where he just like chucks the ball across the hallway instead of this case just a glass of milk it's just but i want to have my pops motherfucker (laughs) 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 anyways anyways anyways. So, you know, they're doing their fasting and stuff like that at this point. And this is when, like, it gives... It's like... 
it's one of those like here's a big spoonful of what's going on like it's basically like the return of cm punk everyone knew was going to happen but they didn't outright say it was going to happen so the little son he's hanging out with this babysitter and so he's like complaining like throughout the movie he's always complained that he's hungry and so he's like fixated on her hand and you're like what the fuck like why is he so fixated on her hand like you kind of think i don't know little kids do that whatever and he starts sucking on her thumb <laughs> and then he just you just hear <sighs> and she goes ah and he just and you're like what the fuck like it's such a good part of the movie and he just stares at her and he just, and the little kid just looks at the bass and goes i'm hungry <laughs> it's just like <sighs> like it's such a good like just little shiver spot and so like that's like one of the biggest like spoonful like spoon given clues that it gives you like what's the going on with the parker family and so it all builds up to this grand reveal of like what's going on and what their big secret is and i'm not going to spoil the secret but i will say it's not like the over the over the top old like cannibal movies that are just like ridiculous and just super out of no, out of nowhere even like uh green inferno and inferno and, and cannibal holocaust it's not this big bloody meat orgy but you find out that they're cannibals and it's just a really intense scene and it's really good and i'm not going to describe it because it wouldn't do you justice you need to go watch this scene in the movie because it's just so good the music is awesome it bleeds up to this big like basically kind of like r giant ritual tribal ritual of like these drums in the background and stuff it's just it's an awesome scene and an awesome reveal um, of just like what the big Parker family secret is and it's like surprise we're cannibals <laughs> like, but it's good and so mm -hmm. uh, and so after the big reveal you uh, it switches back over to the town and Doc Burrows and Doc Burrow at this point he actually finds a bone in his backyard and he says probably one of the grossest descriptions of a, of a fucking bone of why he thinks it's like humans. And he, and it's, I just, uh, it's called pot glow. He says the, the bone has pot glow on it. And the reason why I say it's like just super gross and like maybe like for other people you're like, what the fuck does that mean? I guess it's mostly because I'm a, I'm a cook. So I know what this means. And it's basically, if you ever have, if you've ever boiled uh like turkey bones or ham bones to make turkey stock or ham stock or anything and you see like that gross film that comes over the bo the bones and stuff like that from it that's what mm -hmm. pot glow is and so to me that i was just like <laughs> like <laughs> so yeah and so he finds this pot glow, uh finds this bone and he says uh, again he's just convinced that it's a human bone because of that description and stuff like that and so he starts piecing together that something's going on with the parker family because he lives down river from their farm and he's like and it came from down river and so he's like starting to piece together everything throughout this part throughout uh throughout the movie while the big reveal of the whole like cannibal thing happens and i like i said i just i love that actor um michael parks and he just does such a good job at like being this concerned like just this concerned dad because you end up finding out that his daughter actually disappeared and he thinks the parker family has something to do with it and he does that he just plays this really good job of being the concerned citizen who may oh, yeah. be sounding like he recognizes that he might sound a little like crazy to accuse someone of cannibalism but at the same time like he's the like, 
the but tension I is my oozing hunch. through and he, the You just root for him. He does such a good job at you wanting to root for him and just get the win and be like the hero of the story. And I just, like I said, I love Michael Parks. So <laughs> he does a good job in it. So uh, while he's following, he goes through all this, he's starting to piece together everything. And so uh, you get the big reveal from the Parkers and then he gives, and then he finally figures everything out. And it just... And the whole movie builds up to just, probably the this penultimate finale, this ultimate fucking finale. That is probably one of the most intense dinner scenes and food scenes like of movies that I've had since any Quentin Tarantino movie. Like the fucking bar scene in Glorious Bastards. You know how like on the edge of your seat you are. You're like, oh my god, what the fuck is like? What's gonna happen? Like, oh my god. And, or like the fucking dinner scene in Django Unchained. What a chilling thing to hear. Literally, dude. It's so intense because so um, I'm going to give, uh, before I spoil everything, I'm going to give a quick, sorry, I had to set it. So I'm going to give a three-minute spoiler warning. So skip ahead three minutes for if you don't want the uh, the ending, uh, the end scene, the the finale scene spoiled for you and all the tension spoiled for you and you want to get a good you just i recommend watching it man like i really do so anyway so quick uh spoiler warning uh skip ahead three minutes starting in three two one this is now the spoiler warning for my review for the ending of the movie Okay, so at this point of the movie, the uh, Mr. Parker has uh, has garnered that everyone the cops are coming after them. Everyone realized found out that they're cannibals and stuff like that, and that they've been eating people. And so, at the, and they've already started their ritual. They have a big pot of people stew <laughs> that they're eating, and so like it's human chili that they're scarf that they've been eating for the past couple of days. The whole family has, and so he's gained wind of it, and so he puts rat poison in the chili. He's just gonna kill all. Off the entire family and so but one of the right but one of the daughters notices it notice that he poisons the chili but she can't say anything to have him know that she that she knows so she's trying to get attention the attention of her other sister like Rose, 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 <laughs> like she's like the bait sorry like a little over but she's like basically doing that trying to get her sister's attention like don't eat the chili don't eat the chili and then the son the little baby goes to eat the chili and she just fucking slaps the bowl out of his hand before he can eat it and the dad and that's when you're like oh fuck because the dad knows and he's like oh my god is he gonna kill them and then doc borrow shows up and so he shows he knocks on the door and like he just saves these girls from whatever the fuck was gonna happen, and then he sits down, and they just have this intense stare off because Doc Barrow just looks at him and goes, "Did you eat my daughter?" Oh my! Yeah. <laughs> and they're just like, "Oh fuck!" Like he just gets right to it, dude. And like they get, and so right before, uh, right after he says that, the dad stands up and tries to shoot him, but one of the daughters like jumps in the way. She gets shot, and then Doc Barrow shoots the dad. The dad kind of gets knocked out, but he doesn't die, and. He he stands up and knocks out Doc Burrow while his back is turned. And then he's like, and so the two daughters stand up and you're like, oh my God, what's about, they're going to eat Doc. They're going to eat Doc. Don't eat Doc. It's going to be a sad ending. This is the one time I don't want the sad ending, man. But no, the daughters, one of the daughters 
bites and rips the dad's throat out while the other one just starts chowing down on his arm. And they fucking eat the dad. Blood squirting everywhere. They're just ripping parts off and chomping on it and swallowing. And it's showing them eat the dad, dude. It's, oh my god. God, it's so intense, and he's just like kind of seasoned, but smiling, but crying all at the same time, and you're just like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> I was just, it was just so intense, and it just fucking goes, 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 and they're eating him. You're like, what the hell is happening? I don't know what's going on. Oh my god, this just fuck. And so after that. They just, and so after all that intense shit, they just look at Doc and they go, you can go. And they just let him go. And then the, the movie ends with everyone kind of like getting a happy ending, but not really. Like they all have to live with the sins of everything that just happened during that dinner <laughs> and shit like that. And it's just so freaking good. It was so good in the end. Like it was super intense. <laughs> But yeah, so highly, highly recommend this movie. Like, if you want a just fantastic mystery, edge of your seat, like, thriller of a movie, like, there's a couple jump scares. I will say, there's a couple, like, there's only, like, one or two actual jump scares in the movie. The rest of it is just, like, the tension of, like, are they going to figure out what's the Parker's doing? What's their family's secret until the big reveal? And, like, this movie just does such a good job at like pulling you along giving you just enough little nuggets and everything to keep you interested so and especially up and all the way until that fucking finale that was just oh it was so good <laughs> so um but yeah so that was that was my review of we are what we are um just a couple trivia uh qu trivia uh like i said in the beginning it is based on the screenplay somos lo que high by jorge uh, michael grau and uh the one thing uh oh i already talked about it so the one trivia fact was when doc barrow played mike by michael parks is searching for bones he mentioned they are uh they are pot glow and when question responds that it means they were boiled pot glow is an archaic term that refers to the shiny yellowy greasy appearance of bones that have been boiled that's all the trivia. Oh, is that really? Yep, that's it. Oh, wow. I know. <laughs> but, yeah, dude, like, it was I, a really good movie. I'm really glad I watched that one. Fucking, it was nuts. Well, it's been an excellent, excellent recording. Ghouls, Gals, Creeps, and Mutants. We've had a lot of fun talking about these movies with you. We've had a lot of fun trying to get through this recording and not having to do another recording of it. <laughs> With that in mind, though, if you want to support everything Punk Record Podcast, you can go to Facebook, look up Punk Record Podcast there, on our Twitter at OfficialPRHP, or on our Instagram at Punk Record Podcast, hashtag PRHP Podcast. You can also follow me at the Undead Matt on Instagram, and Cody on Twitter at at KrampusCody. And again, please check out SlashingCast.net. That's where you can find all content that is Punk Rock Horror Podcast. And from the bottom of our hearts, again, we want to say thank you so much for coming back to the show, for listening to us, for playing us in the background so you can be able to focus on your projects, for laughing with us as we laugh at ourselves. And uh, honestly, just thank you for being amazing listeners, being amazing ghouls, gals, creeps, mutants. You know, we know this world is a little crazy. And I know it sounds like I'm about to like go into a song because of the guitar, so it doesn't help. 
but really it's just I just want to do like a nice play out just something calming and nice for all of us so please listeners take care of yourselves make sure you don't eat human flesh get your corn pops and we'll talk about (laughs) horror with you next time bye bye